0: Hey there, I'm Jamin Baxter, and I serve Moody Radio as the Director of Business Development. Our team's job is to find businesses that love Moody Radio and Jesus Christ and want to support the work we do financially, just like you. Today, I'd like to introduce you to United Faith Mortgage. Simply put, they are a faith-focused mortgage team serving clients across the United States. They've put together a team with Christian values with faith and family at the core, they know that this is arguably the most important purchase of your life. Check out the top five things you should know about United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. Thanks to you and United Faith Mortgage for supporting Moody Radio. This is Ed Stetzer Live, and I am Ed Stetzer. We are actually, well, live, but we're live in the mountains of Western North Carolina. We love to do like on the road episodes, and that's what we're doing today. Uh, And part of the fun is we actually did this last year. And so, uh, no, we didn't do it last year because COVID COVID kept us from doing it last year because camps were disproportionately impacted by COVID. We'll talk more about that in just a minute, but I'm actually at the Ridgecrest Conference Center. Where I'm live, we actually have a guest who's all the way on the other side of the country at uh, Honey Rock, Honey Rock, uh, up in Wisconsin, also a camp, and I'll explain why that's the case in both of these situations. But let me tell you first and foremost, I just want you to know, I need you to know that I have just returned from a 4.6 mile hike, and I just wanted to work that into the casual conversation as if I did that on a regular basis every every day. I get up, I take a 4.6 mile hike. <laughs> Don't laugh at that art. Don't <laughs> laugh at that, but I do, and I, I will tell you. I thought I was going to have to have you come, send a helicopter to come get me at one point.
1: We do have a helipad up you there. We do have a, a helipad rescue helipad.
0: Okay, well, I, I was very close to needing that rescue helipad, but I did, and took the took the family. So we are the reason I'm at the Ridgecrest Conference Center and uh, Camp Crestridge is the girls' camp, and I'm the father of three daughters. Which is, uh, I will tell you, having just hiked with three daughters, they have a lot of words, just a lot of <laughs> words on the hike. Anyway, my brother is with us. And he's kind of like, whew, they have a lot of words, but they do. Uh, he's a father of sons, so it's a different world. But we just did this hike because we're picking up our daughter from Camp Crestridge, which she has done every year except last because of COVID for, for multiple years. And, um, but also, fun fact that Art knows, but, but uh, I haven't introduced Art yet, but I will in a minute. But I I'm actually have the privilege of leading uh, a part of our school at Wheaton College called Honey Rock. It's the Center for Leadership Development uh, at Wheaton College, and um, I've had the privilege of being the dean over that there. And both of our guests today are from one of the camps that I get to be connected with. So Rob Ribby has been the executive director of Honey Rock uh, for since 2000. Uh, part of his role, he's a faculty member at the Wheaton College Grad School. Uh, in the Litvin School, it's now called, where I serve as dean. and teaches leadership and spiritual formation to undergrad and graduate students. And Art Sneed, I've actually known Art Sneed for longer than I've known Rob Ribby. Um Art Sneed uh, attended Camp Ridgecrest for the first time as a nine-year-old, which was like 70 years ago. At least. At least At 70 least. years ago. ago. Uh, Christian Camping and Conference Center uh, service has been part of his life since then. He's now the president CEO of the Ridgecrest Foundation. Two years ago when we were here. You were a part of Lifeway, yes. but now you're a standalone nonprofit foundation uh, and is the new steward of the Ridgecrest Conference Center, Camp Crestridge for Girls, Camp Ridgecrest for Boys. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Ed. Good. Good. So let's jump Great. in and let's uh, let's let's have some conversation. We we love uh we love what the camping experience has been for for our kids and for lots of others. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, last year, um, Honey Rock we did meet, Crestridge didn't. A lot of it had to do with guidance from counties and things of that sort. Rob, uh, to my recollection, most camps didn't meet last summer. Is that correct? Ken, tell us a little bit about what went on last summer and why it matters.
2: Yeah, last summer about uh, only about 18% of camps in the U.S. operated, according to ACA. American Camping Association, and uh, some of the camps, like Honey Rock, we didn't do a full summer. We only did half a summer. So we scaled back quite a bit as we were trying to respond to what was going on to COVID. Um, but yeah, last summer you know, the vast majority of camps shut down for the summer. And then this summer, uh, most camps are operating. Uh, a big chunk of them are doing like half full camps, so they kind of restricted population but uh, most camps are running and there's been very few outbreaks across the U.S. so that's really encouraging but for us and I think for a lot of camps uh, camp was packed out every bed full people just desperate to get out so you know the response to COVID with camper engagement this summer has been really really high it seems across the country.
0: Desperate to get out. I think that might be a description of my daughter. Um, And it depends on where you are, too, because people, you know, we're around 150 outlets across the country and some people, you know, in parts of the country are like, well, what? They kind of just didn't participate in the pandemic. And yet in some places, everything shut down. Um, and so my daughter was super excited and I must confess, we were kind of super excited for her to go to camp. we tried to, and there was a waiting list. We couldn't, we couldn't get through the waiting list. We tried to add a couple more weeks. Sure. You can take Caitlin longer art. And, um, so, but, but you know, one of the things that I wrote a few years ago was that my article was called girls need camp. And there's something to that camping experience art that shapes. Uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm talking about young, a young woman and, uh, you know, in the case of my daughters, but it just seems that that space and that intentional getting away has been an important part of spiritual life for a long time. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. It's incredibly important for kids, especially these days and especially I think coming out of the pandemic where there was so much isolation, there was, um, you know, a lot of folks that weren't able to go to, to school. So much became virtual, so much became digital. And like Rob talked about, um, man, the demand was there, and and we were blessed that that our governor and our county uh, allowed us to open back up. We had a record year, surpassed 2019, uh, with with where we were. And and for us, we believe um, kids benefit by getting uh, out of the virtual and into uh, reality um, to connect with with the creator, the creator who loves them and and who made them, and and they learn to to try new things and one of the big aspects of our philosophy is we want them to have opportunities to succeed we also want them to have opportunities to fail and know that it's okay to fail and to be surrounded by a supportive loving group that that not only challenges them but but also uh comes up and supports them whether they're successful or not
0: fascinating so um you know for just as context and background uh, I have the privilege of, like I said, leading the Honey Rock, um, overseeing Harvard Honey Rock. And Rob does a great job leading day to day and the whole team there. We have a great team there. But, um, but I actually came to Christ uh, in uh, at Camp Wingman, which is a uh, the camp of the Diocese of Central Florida, the Episcopal Church. It was a charismatic movement of the Episcopal Church. Heard the gospel there. Uh, going to outdoor camping events was a key part of my early discipleship. So I'm kind of, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I bought in. But one of the things that we find is just how frequent people's spiritual journey relates to some camping experience. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, I'm here with my, as, as Art knows, I, I, we brought our family up. So my, my dad is here and his wife and my brother and, you know, and, and, and everyone's here. Um, but And, you know, when we were a kid, we went to this thing you had never heard of called Banner Lodge, which was like this little, I don't know, secular, I don't know what you'd call it, but just a regular camp. And it was really fun. And I still remember to this day, but the spiritual element is so central to what you're doing here at Ridgecrest. And how does that bring me, you mentioned the creator and creation. So bring me a little closer to that. How does the spiritual element infuse into the life of the camping experience? And why does that matter?
1: Great question. So at, at Ridgecrest, our overall mission is impacting lives for God's glory. At the conference center, we do that through purposeful hospitality by hosting events and groups and that kind of thing. At our two camps, we impact life for God's glory through discipleship and adventure. Now our camps typically run two-week sessions, and so we have more of an opportunity uh, to get those kids for a longer amount of time. Not only that, but we have a pretty high retention rate, and so we are able to partner with families over, in most cases, several years, in discipleship and adventure. We are we believe very strongly in relational discipleship. Uh, our camp is happens to be one where we don't bring in big. Uh, platform speakers or worship bands. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but because we've got those kids for two weeks, our staff are walking alongside them. They're earning the right to speak into their lives, uh, to to share devotionals at night and in the morning, uh, campfire talks. And it's just been um, incredibly impactful. And, And now we've extended that impact and even looked at, okay, we love the mountaintop experience that so many of us have, But what can we do to impact these kids and families the rest of the year? And so actually before COVID, I think three years ago, we actually started offering Trailstones program, which is basically a virtual cabin experience during the year where we can continue that discipleship and help kids understand what does it look like to follow Jesus at home?
0: Yeah, so fun fact, my daughter it loves trailstones, and so that's we talk about it all the time. Um, so, Rob, you're uh, again a lot of our audience doesn't know what all we do. So, our Earth's leading a really complex operation here, and I've known him for a long time before when it was at Lifeway. Um, Rob is actually a scholar in this field. Rob has a PhD. He does research in and around this field. And Rob, I want to talk to you a little bit about the the res- what the research points do on the Christian components related to. Um, to camping, Christian camping, and, and in general, what are you seeing when look at the research both on campers and let's talk also about camper staff? I know you've done research there.
2: Yeah, uh, well, it's a, it's significant. Um, a good friend of ours. I mean, we've done research here too, but a good friend of ours just published a book called Sacred Playgrounds, Jacob Sorensen, and he did a multi year study on the impact of camp on campers. And what he found are is, is things like uh, more likely to pray on a daily basis, uh, students or campers that participate in camp are uh, go to church more frequently. Uh, there's actually some evidence that uh, besides immediate impact, there's a longer-term impact relative to church attendance and engagement with the Lord through prayer and through Bible study on a regular basis. So even though camp is a short-term experience, uh, the intensity of it, the depth of it, the uniqueness of it, because campers are coming outside of normal life, uh, kind of has a sticking power that lasts for a long time. I know one thing I've seen a lot in my own kids going through camp is some of their best friends are actually their friends from camp, and now with social media and phones and FaceTime and all of that, uh, actually connecting year-round with their friends from camp, and it becomes this very positive, relational cohort of people that keep each other strong and seeking the Lord throughout the year, because they're coming from this shared spiritual base of experience that happened for two to four weeks during the summer. So that's the camper side on the go ahead. Yeah, well,
0: let me come back. Let me take let me take a quick pause and then we'll continue our conversation and talk some about the leaders as well. I would, you know, we, as we talk about, you know, I mean all kinds of students, college students have been engaged and becomes a key part of their spiritual journey as well. But I want to invite your phone calls also. Uh, you can give us a call and uh kind of enter in the conversation 877-548-3675. I'd love to hear your camp story. 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. at Cesar Live, and we're having what I hope you find a fascinating conversation. I find a fascinating conversation because uh, one of the things, I was recently talking to um, the leader of Calvary Chapel. Now, we're on K-Wave now in Southern California, and we were talking some about, they're actually right now, uh, Brian Broderson is the uh, leads Calvary Global Network. He's the successor to Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and he's in uh, Great Britain right now at Creation Fest. And we were just talking because the camps that they have had have shaped the whole movement. And so literally now, when I consult with new movements, I will often say to them, uh, I'll tell them, you need your own worship. You need probably your own way to some train people for ministry. You probably need some worship music that's coming out of your movement. I tell them, you'd probably need some camp to build some community long-term among their Now, Art, when we go back um, 50 years ago, people would come for Sunday school week one and Sunday school week two You before your day. But, but this people would just come for these long trainings, just, I mean, all around Ridgecrest people like have homes and they live here and they summered here it, Ridgecrest is, uh, in some ways impacted by the Chautauqua movement with the Chautauqua movement was, and I'll actually be fun fact. I'll be at Chautauqua at the first Chautauqua, the one, the Western New York Chautauqua next week. Mm. Um, but they would come and people would summer in these places and do Bible training and whole movements, you know, the Free Methodists and the and all kinds of groups were founded around this. But as that sort of declined, in some ways because of the rise of other ways of doing tourism, people, you know, and, and air conditioning, right? You don't have to come to the mountains anymore. You can have air conditioning in your house in South Carolina. But there still seems to be some that community is key. So my daughter, for example, when they couldn't meet last year because of your restrictions here in uh, health restrictions in the County, um, and and crushers did meet. They all met in South Carolina. Now I will tell you, I required certain COVID rules, but they, they, they're, they just have built this bond. They've been together for years and that's a spiritual bond as well. So talk to me a little bit more about the community of return. It seems that they come back and and that builds a sort of longevity of community as well. And while Art's gonna do that, I wanna invite you, because I bet there's all kinds of people with a fun camp story. And you can even name your camp if you'd like. We mentioned Forest Home, and and that's a key moment for Billy Graham's life. And I just was yesterday up at uh, his private office in Montreat, um, but lots of us have those, 877-548-3675. So talk about the community and the returning and why that matters. They're, they're definitely a legacy aspect, not only among families,
1: but, but friends. Um, uh, I, I know that one of my best friends is a is a guy that I met when we were nine years old, the first year at camp together, and um, that's been a, a relationship that that God has continued to bless my life through, and hopefully his life through, um, and it's it's turned out to be a key part of of the Ridgecrest Foundation as well. But I think that you have the opportunity to do fun and exciting things that they often don't get to do at home. They they get to truly be themselves to, to step away from uh, everything that's going on with their relationships in their school and that kind of thing and, and come and, and I think really focus on, on who they are. And for some of them, it's almost a little bit of a reset. Sometimes. Uh, I think there's the closeness of uh, you know, the campfire and the outdoor experiences and listening to the cr- crickets and looking at the stars and all those special things. But absolutely when you add that, spiritual component uh that faith component the discipleship the growth uh it really helps knit all of those other things to, together and i think that that explains the that tight bond that so many people that go to camp have.
0: I feel like we should, like we should start singing something. We should start singing some <laughs> campfire songs. With... We could do a Kumbaya remix yeah, exactly. if, if you want to. <laughs> um, let, let's take a call. Let's let's go to Emma. Emma in Ingles, I think it's Inglis, Inglis, Florida, Ingles, Florida. You're live on the air Inglis. Go ahead with your question, your comment. Thank you, go ahead. Yeah, Inglis.
3: Nobody's ever heard of Inglis, but don't tell them, I don't want them coming. I just, I'm <laughs> in a small church. My husband has been lost for years and he became a pastor. But before that, I got to go to Ridgecrest. I felt like I was going to heaven. It was just such a wonderful experience for me personally with three other women going up Rattlesnake Mountain. and Just all the different experiences we get with the speakers, the singers, the teachers. It was awesome. And then when my husband became a pastor and I was in a church, I talked four young people into going to be um, leaders at the camps. And um, what an experience it was for them. And they didn't go at the same time. They went at different times. It became two boys' camps, two girls' camps, and the uh, experience they had up there was just so overwhelming. Uh, they met people they'll be with the rest of their life. A couple of them were in their wedding. Now they're grown and they're teaching in the church. Uh, just can't uh, say enough about going to Ridgecrest. I'm so glad to hear this program today because I didn't know that y'all were still running and doing good because I haven't heard from Ridgecrest in a long time. Um, oh, they're doing, they're doing great.
0: Yeah, they're yeah. doing great. Thank you so much for your call, Emma. That was super. So, um, and and Rob, same thing. Like with what we say mentioned, we lived in Nashville before we came here, and just you know, four or five hours down the road from Ridgecrest. How far is it to Nashville? I drove five hours. I drove that many times, um, and um, man, it's like our neighbors were like Crestridge Ridge girls, and they would call them. To, I mean, this is like our neighbors, like fifty years old. She's oh, always a Crestridge girl, and 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 the same thing in like Wheaton and Wisconsin and Illinois. So, Rob, I mean. You know, you have, because we we had a class last week. We had, um, you know, our Propel class, and we had 100 women coming in to our Propel partnership graduate program, and the parking lot was closed off. I actually, and I I realized that it was closed off by people going to Honey Rock, and so I couldn't be upset because I was simultaneously in charge of Honey Rock, and you were blocking the parking lot for the students coming into my master's degree program. So I I, I worked through all of that very patiently, But, um, but, man, people just, like, all over, they just go, R- you've built a community. I mean, it's a constituency, but it's a community. And, and part of that comes from trust and the ongoing Christian commitment, the ongoing, you know, just people having that community together. Is there an intentionality that you do when you try to build such a community? Does it just happen, or is it a mixture of both?
2: Uh, it's definitely a mixture of both. I mean, coming away and when you bring people from all over the country, uh, all different walks of life, they're you know, kids from first grade, third grade through high school and you stick them in cabins together with people that they don't necessarily know from before. I mean, there has to be a lot of tensionality to make these small little communities work and the overall community work. But as Art said, when campers come back year after year, they start to develop communities as they move through the program. But also uh, the community of Honey Rock and a lot of Christian camps in the U.S. is really strong. One of the funnest parts of this summer is we have a family day at the end of each camp session when the parents come and they spend most of the day hearing about camp, meeting the counselors, their campers take them all over and show them all the stuff, and it's a way to connect parents to the camp experience. But one of the fun things that seems to be happening a lot is that Parents will show up with their kids, and they were staff members together at Honey Rock 20 years ago, and it almost feels like every family day is a uh, staff reunion or a camper reunion from previous years. And uh, to me, that just, again, speaks to the sticking relational connection power that Art just talked about, of the camp experience where you're away, where you're doing unique, novel, adventurous things that are memory-making and really stick in there. And then when you do that with people, uh, the relationships that form during those times uh, can be lifelong and deep and authentic in real refreshing mm-hmm. ways.
0: Love that. Um, uh, Courtney, our engineer, has posted Camp Timberly, Camp Machindo, Camp Paradise, best times of my life. So it's just, we all have sort of these these reference points. It's interesting too, because I got it. I'm, I'm next summer. I'm speaking at Maranatha Bible Camp, I think, or Bible Conference. I forget the exact title of it, but it's, and they, they tell me that it's it's Maranatha Bible and Missionary Conference, and it's West Michigan, and it's like, and we, you know I mentioned I'm going to be there, everyone in West Michigan says, "Oh, I've got this." Everyone has a story. And everyone has a Ridgecrest story, and I would say in the southeast, but it's even bigger than that. How, how? I mean, as you look and people come here, do they come from all over the country now? They do, primarily southeast
1: for us, but um, our heaviest state actually is Florida. Mm-hmm. And in that uh, state, the, the area of Orlando, Winter Park, that that kind of thing is, is huge, but... But yes, we've and we've even got uh, some kids that come internationally. Not a lot of those, but um, as families know Ridgecrest, and then over several generations move to other parts of the country, and then they continue to come back. Um, it just continues to expand that footprint. Yeah.
0: Want to get about you with your calls, maybe with your camp story as well. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. A lot of people do wonder. Uh, Art, what, what did you do COVID wise? What did you, what cautions did you take? What precautions it we don't really know? And people have strong opinions. It appears based on social media about what's about to happen next. Um, but you made, you made it through. So what were some precautions? What'd you do? What worked? that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it really
1: started last year when things began to get shut down, and then when we realized we were not going to be able to to host camp or conferences in the normal way, um, we actually pivoted and offered families the opportunity to come do all-inclusive family getaways. And they could stay at our boys' camp, our girls' camp, our conference center. They could eat at any place. They could, could do activities at any of those places. It was incredible ministry opportunity for us. Uh, we had more than 400 families that came and did that. They stayed together as family groups and clusters. That was a familiar term that I think many of us have heard over the last year, but these were good clusters. These weren't uh, bad clusters. Uh, and then this year, we learned so much last year. We've been hosting events back at the conference center actually since the fall, uh, have have hosted uh, a lot of folks this summer, um, worked with the, uh, the organizations that brought those events in to make sure that we were following protocols at our individual summer camps, our boys camp and girls camp. Um, we either required uh, testing within a certain amount of time beforehand or we required the proof of vaccination. Um, and then we, a little bit more this year than normal, kept kids in cabin groups or in their age groups a little bit more than we've done in the past. We did not take camp trips outside of camp other than our oldest age groups that spend a lot of time on the trail. Um, and just tried to be, you know, incredibly careful. And we were incredibly blessed, uh, to be able to operate at capacity this summer. And, um, obviously very grateful to, uh, to God for that.
0: Yeah, it was. And so and as, as a participant, very thankful as well. Uh, remember we're going to take your calls and Rob, when we come back in just a moment, I want to ask you to kind of share with us a little bit about, I mean, you did make it through last summer meeting and then I know you consulted and coached a whole lot of camps and more about how to do that. The approaches you took last summer became really standard in a whole lot of other places. So we're thankful for your leadership um, as well. Let me remind everybody too that we're open up for your calls, and we're going to take when we when we do come back. We're going to take Lisa's call, Lisa. So hold on there from Cleveland, and we'll get some others as well. But um, I'd love to hear your camp story. For me, it was uh, we just moved from uh, New York. City, just outside of New York City, down to Central Florida, uh, kind of a rural area outside of Orlando. Um, my mother was a relatively new believer, didn't come from a Christian home. She forced me to go to the youth camp. I think I got in trouble, and my punishment was to go off for a week to youth camp, and um, and there I did not participate, did not like, was not enthusiastic for uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the Lord began to work on my heart Thursday. And on Friday night, um, I trusted and responded to the good news of the gospel there at Camp Wingman. Took my daughter back through there just a couple years ago, and it is a teeny little camp. I remembered it as huge because that's how we remember things. We want to hear your story too. 877-548-3675, 877 548 Hey, we're back. at Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer. I don't think I introduced myself earlier. I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. I'm uh, and the privilege of being your host here at Ed Stetzer Live this and every Saturday at this time. And this morning, as I often do, I hiked 4.6 miles and climbed Rattlesnake Mountain. And I just like to work that into every conversation. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure every conversation for the next two days, I'll be mentioning this. Do people? I thought it was a little, the girls are like, oh, this is easy. So the campers appear to go up there. Yes. And I was a little surprised at yes. the difficulty that was there. Is that, am I getting older? Is that what it is? Well,
1: I, I don't want to answer that question. I can <laughs> tell you that when they come down, they're not sweating as profusely as, <laughs> as uh, some of our other hikers. How well, how would,
0: you, how would you rate that hike? Is it a moderate
1: uh, I'd say it's a moderate hike. Okay. It's not especially long, but there's some there's some places where
0: you're you're gaining some elevation pretty quickly. Yeah, 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 It was it was very uh very interesting. Anyway, let's go take a call from Lisa. Lisa in Cleveland, Ohio, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Uh
4: yes, I just was glad to hear this conversation going on and um it, because it's something close to my heart, and uh, I believe every child should have a, a chance to go to a faith-based camp, and I did um, from an early age on all, all through high school, and I was very shy and awkward, um, teased a lot, bullied, uh, and going to a camp and I lo- and I love church and I love Sunday school so when uh I went to uh, camp there was no teasing or bullying and there was lots of making friends and learning more about God and the Bible and um doing activities and games where you weren't chosen last and you didn't have to, to worry about all that. You could just um, take, take everything in, and I learned a lot. I ended up teaching Sunday school um, for over 26 years, um, and I believe some of that is from going to camp. And um, I just think it's a wonderful thing.
0: Good, good, go. Hey, thank you for your call. And I, th- I think that's a lot of people's experience. Thanks to Emma and to Lisa, both for their calls. It's a lot of people's experience as well. Is that camp became a uh, a place set apart? And actually, that's part of what. Uh, let's, let's go to Rob Ribby. Rob, I want to talk to you a little bit because part of the set apartness is part of the theme that you have there at Honey Rock. So you know, I'll be. what am I there? Like in two weeks for a week and. Um, I mean, it's not right around the corner. The set-apartness is key to part of what we do. And, well, I'm going to ask Rob on that, but let me remind you. You can call, share your camp experience, or ask a question if you'd like at 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. So talk to us about that place apart, Rob. And then I want to talk about Launchable Kids, too, but talk about that place apart.
2: Yeah, and I think this is what's uh, perhaps one of the most powerful components of camp is that when you come to camp, usually you have to travel to get there. Usually there's a, you know, a specific starting date and an end date, and it's on the calendar months ahead. And so it becomes kind of like this vision, hoped-for target, which is preparing, you know, mind, heart for for the event. So it's something you're looking forward to and thinking about um, for most kids, especially if they've done it before and it's a highlight. And that that whole process of, Preparation to go away is actually a a big part of what I think, you know, shapes expectations and shapes engagement. And then when you go away, um, you're leaving behind the cell phones, the TVs, the screens. Um, You're stepping again, as we've said earlier, into a unique environment that's away. And a lot of the things that are part of our everyday world actually – create noise and can be a distraction to hearing from God and seeking the Lord and even building relationships. So kind of the stepping out of uh, culture and all the noise and busyness of culture opens us up in many ways to, to meet with the Lord and hear from the Lord and encounter the Lord as well as build relationships with others. So that place apartness. uh is, is a big part of what I think makes camp effective.
0: Yeah. And I, I, before the break, I, I mentioned, we were talking to Art about kind of their COVID, how they walk through some of that. I, I know that, Honey Rock last year we were able to successfully do camp. Um, you became kind of a consultant for a lot of other camps this past year. What are some of the things, because I, I know parents would be interested, um, what are some of the things you've, you've done? We're going to get back to the impact of camp and your calls as well in just a moment. Again, 877 877- five, four, got a few calls coming in with I'm guessing some great camp stories again, eight, seven, seven, five, four, eight, three, six, seven, five. But tell us how you handled COVID uh, and really how you advise camps this past year.
2: Yeah. Art said quite a bit of what we did um, last year. We didn't have testing like we do this year. So uh, the key thing that parents had to do last year was they had to basically isolate their children uh for 14 days leading up to camp which means not going out not you know staying at home um and they had to prove that to us when they came in they had to do seven days of temperature checks and uh parents were eager to do it to give their chance kids a chance to come away to camp this year because testing was so prevalent and accessible uh folks just had to come in with a negative covid test and Uh, basically seven days of kind of being careful as a family, which made a huge difference. Last summer, a huge part of what made it work at, uh, camp was the cohort thing where Art talked about breaking camp down into smaller units so that if something did come up, then you're not taking out your entire camp. It's just one small group, uh, Gratefully, we didn't have any COVID at camp um, breakouts with campers or staff, so the Lord protected, but those are kind of the key things that happened, and I, you know, just saying that the negative testing and the vaccinations really, really helped us be able to pull it off this year so far with no incidents.
0: Good deal. That's what we're good and encouraging you to want to hear. I'm, just to remind everybody, I'm here at Ridgecrest Conference Center in uh, Black Mountain, North Carolina, having a conversation, uh, kind of a, what do we call this, an away program. So we're on the location. Um, one of the things, Rob, I want to come back to you is you have a focus on launchable kids. And one of the things we see is that, um, you know, maturity is being in, extended in today's youth and young adults. And, you know, we're seeing... We're seeing, you know, was it Kara Powell at the Fuller Youth Institute says 14 is the new 24 and 28 is the new 18 in different ways. Um, And there's some research, you know, that that how people can stay or will stay or won't stay in the life of church. How does camp develop launchable kids? How does that fit into that context?
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, the idea of a launchable kid is when they – finish kind of the high school phase of life, and they're 18, 19, and they're looking to go off to college. Um, A launchable kid is someone that's self-directed, that uh, has kind of a a grounded enough faith that they, you know, stick with it um, and have a sense of kind of responsibility and discipline relative to making choices and prioritization so how I think camp helps with that is that um, young people starting, you know, at young ages, first, second, third grade, they're actually away from home for one week, two week, more, depending on the camp, and they're having to make decisions. They're having to be responsible for themselves. They're having to be self-directed. They're having to learn how to relate to people that they don't know, Um and just go through that whole relational development process that happens when you come to a new place and are connected with new people. So all of that is building the skills and the capacity and the confidence in a faith-based context starting at young ages. And if you do that over and over year after year, by the time you get to 18, uh, it's kind of a a part of who you are. Uh, It's been interesting. This year, Clemson... Uh, one of their study centers released an article on how camp participation actually prepares kids for college. And when you think about it, you know, moving in with people you don't know, learning how to work together, make decisions on your daily schedule by yourself without your parents, it makes sense.
0: It does. It does. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment again with your calls. Last time to call in, 877 Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer live. I want to go right to the phones because I want to get in some camp stories, and then I'm going to come just to Art because I want him to talk a little more about resilience as well. Let's go to Glenn in Delray Beach, Florida. You're live on the air. Go for it, Glenn.
5: I got in the car and turned on the radio. I had a big smile on my face. Both my
2: kids uh, went to Ridgecrest and Crest Ridge. My son, I, when he was in the eighth grade, got baptized in the lake. And his counselor said, such an amazing influence, but I got a chance to participate that. And the unique thing about that, this baptism is that after we all, after he got baptized, we swam across the lake and then jumped off the blob there. So when you say about launching kids, that was a slightly different launch, but I'll always have great <laughs> memories of that opportunity and just the influence that, that camp had on my children.
0: Oh, Glenn, thank you so much for your call. What a great super call. Uh, Jeannie in Cottage Grove, Minnesota. You're live on the air.
6: Hey, yeah, it's been fun to listen about the Christian camp, bringing back fond memories of myself at Camp Timberly in East Troy, Wisconsin. And uh, our kids actually enjoyed Camp Nathaniel in Hinkley, Minnesota, and Camp Chamonix. And our family actually worked uh at Bear Boo at Expeditions Unlimited. Uh but Honey Rock Camp is legendary in our home, although myself and our children haven't have yet to now I have grandchildren too, four, so maybe they'll get to go to Honey Rock. But uh my husband's a Wheaton College grad and uh we just hear stories of him. In college, being dropped off in the middle of nowhere as part of a Honey Rock camp where they had to bushwhack their way <laughs> through uh, the orienteer to survive a couple days, I guess, or so. But um, he actually has used that experience. He's uh, been a high ropes teacher in a wilderness out in New Mexico before we moved to Minnesota, where he worked with a lot of youth. And um, he's he works mostly in the public settings, but I know uh, Honey Rock has really uh influenced his life. I mean, he's one oh, yeah. of those
0: Yeah. you know,
6: he's a grandpa now and he since we've been married, he reads his Bible every morning and he's oh, just an it. amazing amazing man, but I know
0: yeah. we were
6: just on a hike and he was telling me again about something with honey rock. <laughs>
0: yeah that's awesome Jeannie did did you did you know that I just went on a hike this morning Jeannie I just went on a a 4.6 mile (laughs) hike this morning it was it was to Rattlesnake Mountain Jeannie thank you so much for your call thank you I feel good I feel good So, super call from Jeannie and I love that people are like naming I think Timber Lake is owned by Trinity International University I think so we love all the different partner lakes and more people I mean partner camps being mentioned we're for those I should also mention that we have at the Wheaton College Graduate School. Rob Ruby leads a graduate program, a master's degree, that actually for people who are leading in camp and conference ministry as well. Let's try to squeeze in one more. Bill, if you can make it pretty quick, I think we can put it in there. Bill, you're live on the air from North Georgia.
5: Uh, Yes. Um, Well, I grew up um, being sent to camp. My first experience, my mom put me in the back of the station wagon, we stopped down in town and picked up a young man of another ethnicity I'd never met before, took us to camp, dropped us off, and I thought, oh no. But that was a wonderful experience (laughs) that summer, and I continued even more, and then as an adult, I began taking children from my church to camp um, back in 1987, and we continued Up until last year, with COVID, we weren't able to. Hopefully next year we'll get back. But um, we currently go to Camp Sedine in East Tennessee, which is a camp dedicated originally to African-American children only. Our church is not primarily African-American, but we have really enjoyed them opening their arms to us. And we actually rent a part of the camp and hold camp for them. They're actually celebrating seventy-five years um, of existence wow. there at Camp Sedine. Sedine. Gary Chapman camp was Sedine. Sedine.
0: Yeah.
5: yeah. Okay. Gary Chapman was a counselor there once upon a time. Tony Evans. Oh wow. Um, was there when he was a young man. Um, just a really special camp um,
0: there oh, Bill, that's a great... on
5: Watch on Watts Bar Lake.
0: Watts Bar- I know where Watts Bar Lake is. Well, super. That's a great, that, thank you again, Bill, for your story. Thank you for your call. I love, I love, people love, it's it's kind of like, you know, as a pastor, being a pastor in 2020, 2021 has been kind of hard because everyone's got an opinion on everything that you say. It's a very divided time, but you're kind of like the ice cream salesman. Everybody loves the guy who's running the camp, right? I mean, Rob Ribby and Art Sneed. I want to, if I get tired of things of Wheaton, I'm just going to go up to Honey Rock and I'll be the director of Honey Rock and let... Let Rob come down and be the dean, but talk to us a little bit about uh, art. We, we already heard Rob talk about launchable kids. Talk to us about resilience and how that is related to the camp experience. Yeah, I think the word resilient is what popped
1: into my mind as Rob was was talking. And and again, for us, that goes back to kids being able to handle success, but also kids being able to to experience and and learn how to handle failure. And um, we do that in in age appropriate ways at at both of our camps. I think uh it also um, launchable kids this idea that that they own their faith that the, that that their faith is a relationship with Jesus that it's not just uh, what they're hearing from their parents or their christian school teachers or uh, student pastors or even from us but that, that they make it uh their own is is so important and then man how how great would it be if they have learned the value of community and discipleship at our camps. And then when they head off the, to school, they are looking for people to have that kind of community with uh, no matter where they're in school as well. So um, just a, a few things to to add to um, that idea of launchable kids, which I
0: think is an, it's a great term and it's a very important aspect. Love it, let's try to squeeze one more call and Timothy, you gotta do it in a minute. Timothy for Boca Raton, can you give us a minute? Mm-hmm. Yes. Go for it. Grew up in Wyandotte, Michigan. Our church
2: participated with two other churches. Every, Every summer went to church camp at Mill Lake Camp. Totally influenced by the missionaries that came, ended up in the Air Force. From there went to Moody, went to Bryan College, and spent 21 years in Brazil as a missionary due to
0: church camp and the influence of the missionaries that were there. Okay, that was worth taking the time. That was super. What a, what a fascinating experience. And thank you so much, Timothy, from Boca for your call as well. I mean, here's the thing, too. We do see the impact of people going into ministry, you know, and, you know, Ridgecrest's been around for how long has Ridgecrest been around?
1: 1907.
0: 1907, long time. Rob, how long have we been up in Honey Rockets? the 50s, right? Yeah,
2: 1951.
0: So these are not short, tenured things. But a lot of times what we're finding is in a lot of places, camps are struggling. And some places are succeeding. And, and you know, at both at Honey Rock and at Ridgecrest, you guys have had to adopt new practices, adapt to the times. Um, and you need to bring that consistent gospel Christian focus in the midst of that as well. Art, 30 seconds. Uh, what's your hope for people who show up to Camp Crest Ridge or, or Ridgecrest Camp for Boys? Yeah, our our hope is that they
1: uh, understand the gospel in a way that they did not when they came or that they have a um, stronger relationship with, with Jesus uh, when, they, when they leave. And that can happen at our camp, that can happen at Rob's, and that can happen at so many other Christian camps that people have been describing. I love hearing all the camp stories today and the fact that God can use all of those different kinds of camps for his glory is just amazing.
0: Rob, 30 seconds, what would you add?
2: I would just say that uh, this sense of whole and effective people development, so it's about grounded faith and personal relationship with the Lord, but then also having a community of faith that encourage you, equips you, so that we can be disciple-makers in the world. The idea of becoming a grounded, whole person who's following Jesus and influencing the world wherever they land in life is what we're hoping for at Honey Rock
0: love it love it let me mention that rob ribby when we do our internal surveys at wheaton college the best christian workplace survey Rob's leadership shines through just i mean it's just obvious and, and a scholar in the field we're deeply thankful for you i mentioned the master's degree he leads as well and i love uh camp crusher's for girls so much that i entrust my daughter uh who we are, we are actually come here we do a little family reunion because we're picking up our daughter so I was so thankful for that and for uh, my own life again camp wingman the little camp you never you never heard of camp wingman it's it's a little mm-hmm. thing it's right kind of near the everglades anyway but it's a key part of my spiritual journey so let me thank my guest Rob Ribby and Arts Need Rob you met your wife right here too right at camp right Yeah art yeah, Oh, no I said art yes right here, Shelly right here at camp she's right here in the room she is right, she's here, right, here, right here in the room. room she's so are you proud of him are you proud of him he's he's a good man he's a good man <laughs> so thank Rob Ribby and Arts Need um also like thank Bobby seen uh, my team behind the scenes at Moody Radio uh, Karen Hendron, our producer Courtney Young our engineer who shouted out her camps in the comments earlier Let me also make sure we thank Eric Tidwell, who's been manning the phones. Thankful for all of you this and every day. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. Tell you, actually, you listen to the podcast. People, there's actually a podcast. You don't have to listen every Saturday. But you can listen every Saturday, but you download it on the podcast, at, at, uh, at really at the Moody Radio app, wherever you want to get your best podcasts. You can also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Ed Stetzer Live. And Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, which itself is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening, and thanks for entrusting your kids to Christian camps around the world that are making a difference for the gospel. God bless. Thanks for listening.